As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. 49ers and Eagles, Sunday night football. Niners trying to pick up that third win of the season. Guys, they may have to wait a few weeks to pick up a win that people around the nation respect because they just have a bunch of winless teams in front of them right now. The Dolphins coming up after the Eagles do have a win, so... That was a little unexpected after they beat the Jaguars, but after the Jets and the Giants and now to the Eagles, that's three teams that have not won a game yet this season on the 49ers platter, and that means that the 49ers could just focus on themselves. That's what they have to do here. But Philadelphia does bring a challenge that I think the Giants and the Jets did not bring in New York, and that is that they have an elite component to their team. The Philadelphia defensive line can play between Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Malik Jackson, the big defensive tackle, used to play for Jacksonville. He was part of that, part of that Jacksonville defense that Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan lit up in 2017. The Eagles have some talent up front, and that is the one area where the 49ers have been shaky on offense. You know, the pass protection, this goes back years. It hasn't been great for the 49ers. So at least from that regard, you can look at this week as an interesting measuring stick for the 49ers playing an Eagles team that can get after the quarterback, regardless of the fact that Carson Wentz, at quarterback for the Eagles, has been terrible. Yeah, I think the Eagles rank fifth in, in yards allowed. So as bad as they've been overall, that is the one hallmark that they they can rest on is their is their defense and their defensive front. And you're right. If the, the 49ers offense has a weakness, it's been the two guard spots. Lakin Tomlinson has had some very difficult matchups, and I think that they allow him to go one-on-one more often than Daniel Brunskill does at right guard. But he's lost some of those, and uh, one of those losses ended up uh, injuring his quarterback. So that's been a, a problem area. But there seems to be a, a theme with the 49ers is that as injured as they are, they keep playing these bad opponents who also have all sorts of injuries. And a lot of 49ers fans you know, wonder, is this, is this injury bug only happening to my team? Well, the answer is no. I mean, there, there are injuries all around the league. And I was just looking at the 
the Eagles roster, they've got nine guys on IR and two more on PUP, including a lot of talent. Uh, Dallas Goder, their number two tight end, he's not going to play in this game. Jalen Rager, one of the wide receivers that they drafted, he's not going to play. So my point being is that the 49ers, as unlucky as they've been, are lucking out in their opponents and sometimes in their opponents' injuries as well. And we'll have to see if, if they go 3-0 and with that scenario in play. Dennis, what are you looking forward to, to seeing in this game coming up? Uh, what, what do you think about the Eagles? First of all, as far as opponents go, I think the 49ers, you know, other than the uh, the Cardinals game one, you know, they've played the opponent that's on the schedule and they've beaten them, you know, last week, 36 points and what they, what they did to the Jets. So I think you can kind of gauge the team by the, the points or how much they're beating their opponents. And I think last week they showed that they can, you know, put 36 points on the board uh, and also the week before that. So when you talk about schedules, you know, it is what it is. That's who you play. You don't make the schedule, but you do kind of show the type of team you are by, you know, your your win margin. And I think they've proven that, you know, they can put some points on the board. They, they did it last week with a lot of guys, a lot of backup guys. So I think that shows a lot to this football team. And, and you know, you're right, Fletcher Cox in the middle there. I mean, Lincoln has had some issues, especially with that inside move. He'll short set, he'll give up the outside, and then that inside is wide open. So, you know, Fletcher is, uh, you know, he's a beast. And he's, he's, he's one of, I think he's one of the, the better defensive interior linemen in the NFL. So the 49ers will have their hands full in the middle. We saw last week, if you keep Nick Mullins in a comfortable pocket, a clean pocket, he can pick a, a secondary apart. So that's going to be the big challenge is that the interior offensive line against that interior defensive line of the uh, Eagles. It's an opportunity for a full circle moment for the 49ers. In Kyle Shanahan's first season, they suffered the lo- very low point of this entire regime against Philadelphia. That's the last time that they played the Eagles. It was week eight. It was rainy. Uh, in Philadelphia, it was not sunny there, obviously. Um, and they, I mean, it was just brutal. If we're talking injuries for the 49ers right now, magnify that 2x or 3x, and they had a much worse roster to begin with in 2017. And it got to the point where they were literally playing backup guards at the tackle positions against the Eagles. And when one of those backup guards looked like he was hurt, uh, after a play, he was down on the field, you know, writhing in pain. Garrett Selleck, the tight end, got ready to come in and play right tackle for the 49ers. They gave up 35 pressures in one game against the Eagles. On 60% of his dropbacks, C.J. Beathard was under pressure per the pro football focus numbers. I don't think there's been a number that high since then in all NFL games that have been played since then. So, uh, you know, it's safe to say that we have not seen a team as overmatched as the 49ers were by the Eagles, the eventual Super Bowl champion Eagles, as the 49ers were on, on that afternoon in 2017. And George Kittle was talking about that last week. He remembers C.J. Beathard getting his shoe knocked off by Fletcher Cox in the end zone because he got hit so hard. I mean, it was just absolutely brutal. And the very next morning, the 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. So the sun started to peek through those those rainy skies, uh, moving from Philadelphia, all, obviously, back to the Bay Area. So you, you kind of look at this matchup and you say, wow, like how the tables have turned. The Eagles, remember in that 2017 season, 
had two quarterbacks. Carson Wentz played against the 49ers, but then he got hurt after that, and Nick Foles led them to a Super Bowl championship. Well, look what's happening now. The team that's really struggling, that can't move the ball at all offensively, that has the worst-ranked quarterback in the whole league is the Eagles in Carson Wentz, and they don't have two quarterbacks anymore. Nick Foles has long since left town. The 49ers are the team with two quarterbacks. They have Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins, who's proving to be a very capable backup, and uh, I think that they're confident going to war with either of those two guys against the Eagles team that tormented them three years ago on Sunday. Yeah, you talk about uh, quarterbacks who are struggling, and uh, Carson Wentz is at the very top of the list. I mean, the 49ers just played Sam Darnold. He wasn't very good. Daniel Jones didn't look very good. Wentz has been uh, worse than those guys. Listen to these numbers. 5.6 yards per attempt. That's the worst in the NFL. 63.9 passer rating. That's the worst in the NFL. 59.8 completion percentage. That's fifth worst. 11 sacks. That's tied for third worst. And six interceptions. That's tied for the most uh, along with Kirk Cousins from Minnesota. So, yeah, again, they're lucking out in who they're playing. And, uh, you know, sort of the, the chess match is what is Doug Peterson going to do to get his guy back in sync? And, uh, you know, the 49ers have to be ready for anything. You know, they can go in a lot of different directions. They can play. This is a, a team that likes to use two tight ends. They can run the ball if they want to. They can go hurry up if they want to. So Peterson does have some options. But Wentz, there seems to be something a miss with him. He's just not accurate. He's making bad decisions. You think that he's going to snap out of it uh, at some point, but that's the question. Will it be this week against the 49ers, and what can the 49ers do to make sure it doesn't happen this week? It's sort of an odd story in the NFL. No one can quite figure out what exactly is the matter with with Carson Wentz, but uh, the 49ers have an opportunity to beat up on a third straight sort of uh, weak sister quarterback of the NFL. If I remember correctly, about three seasons, four seasons ago, Carson Wentz was one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. So I think he's got the talent. I I don't think he has an offensive line right now. I think you're right. This is an opportunity for that front four to kind of get after him a little bit. He's the kind of guy that's probably doubting himself a little bit. You get some hits on him. You you don't let him get in sync. You know, the crowd noise, of course, will not be a factor. So, you know, he can maybe focus on kind of his routes or his the offensive play that's called. But this is a guy that that's rattled right now. And it's almost like, you know, blood in the water for a shark. I mean, you have to kind of get after him, get, get some hits on him. And you can't let a guy like this, you know, get that confidence during the football game with short passes or or a run game, you make him one-dimensional and, and make him try to beat you uh, with his arms, and then you kind of get after him a little bit. But still, we, we can't forget that, you know, Carson Wentz was a, was a pretty darn good quarterback at the early parts of his career. So he's a big dude. He moves well. I know he's had a couple injuries, but he's a guy that, you know, you don't want this game to be the game he snaps out of it and go back to his high-caliber quarterback play. So you just have to get after him, get some hits on him, And it's going to be a challenge again for this front four to show what they can do, whoever's in there. We don't know who's in there now. I'm assuming it's going to be close to the same roster as last last week. You just got to get after them and get some hits on them. We'll be back right after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, Kyle Shanahan actually, I thought, warned us of what exactly you were saying, Dennis. He said that when he watches the film, he sees the Carson Wentz who could still go off in the way that he did in previous years. Now, Shanahan didn't say that he's been going off this year because, as Matt said, I mean, the numbers have been ugly. You go to the even more advanced metrics, and he's dead last in in everything. So all of the metrics agree that Carson Wentz hasn't been good. Now, you brought up the issue of pass protection, which is really interesting. He was sacked seven times in week one. However, in week one, the Eagles were missing Lane Johnson, who's one of the best right tackles in all football. They have become better pass protecting in weeks two and three after Johnson returned. The line has reset. That being said, they still have struggled and it, now the pressure is coming from the left side, from Jason Peters, the former Pro Bowl left tackle. The problem there is that Jason Peters is now 38 years old, and he looks like a shell of his former self. He gave up two sacks last week and looked, quite frankly, lost on, on the two sacks that he gave up. And, and I think it may be a perfect storm kind of thing in Philadelphia where the pass protection was so bad after a disjointed offseason in week one without Lane Johnson that it might have really pushed Carson Wentz into a bad headspace, right? To where he might be seeing some ghosts now, even though it's a little bit better. And it doesn't help in weeks two and three and now heading into week four that the weak spot of the line is now his blind side in Jason Peters on the left side. And somehow, some way, Matt, the 49ers need to continue capitalizing on that. They need to get past the 38-year-old on the left side. They need to make sure that Wentz continues hearing those footsteps so whether it be Kerry Hyder coming off the edge, whether it be Ziggy Ansah, Deion Jordan, it's going to be the money ball defensive line again. But there, I think there's a definite fracture point that the Eagles' first three opponents have hit, and the 49ers need to find a way to hit themselves. Yeah, and this will be a nice test to see whether the 49ers' makeshift defensive line, makeshift edges really can come through. And, um, you know, they did uh, against... Daniel Jones and the Giants. And you would think that uh, Ziggy Ansah would be a little bit sharper even in his second week back, given that he didn't have any sort of uh, training camp or anything like that. And uh, I thought that Deion Jordan played really well. I mean, uh, I was impressed by him. He showed us something he wasn't showing 
in training camp, which was uh, sort of an, an extra move to, to go along with that, that speed rush. So all of that bodes well for the 49ers. One thing I wonder about, you look at uh, Wentz's numbers, and, and one thing he did well uh, in this tie that they had at home against the Bengals is he ran the ball. Uh, nine carries for 65 yards plus a touchdown. Uh, and then you combine that with what uh, Daniel Jones, who's not really known as a running quarterback, did against the 49ers. 49ers definitely were not ready for the read option stuff that the, that the Giants threw at them. I wonder if that's a way to sort of get Carson Wentz and get his, uh, his confidence back, have him do a little bit more running. And when you are a running quarterback against this 49ers defense, you're taking advantage of these new defensive ends, Ziggy Ansah and, and Deion Jordan and guys who uh, you know are new to the defense, one of them is at least, or new to the season. So that's going to be a challenge. Uh, Fred Warner talked about that on Wednesday saying, yeah, once we put that on film, you know, put all the the bad defense that they played against Jones and the Giants on film. That's going to be something that the Doug Petersons of the world pick up on. And until the 49ers show that they can stop that, teams might do a lot of running against them with their quarterbacks. And the 49ers have a lot of running quarterbacks on their schedule. Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray again, a lot of guys with legs. So uh, I think that's something to look uh, towards to see whether the Eagles incorporate that in their offense, Dennis. Uh, who, who are you looking forward to, to seeing in week four to see if they can kind of step up uh, like they did in weeks two and three? I want to see more of, of Deion Jordan. I mean, you spoke about him and I, I just kind of watched him a little bit. I mean, he, he looks like a more like an outside linebacker because he, you know, he looks like he's only about 230 pounds, but he's got some explosiveness off the line of scrimmage. And I think the few plays like on that read option when he was just kind of lost but I think, like you said, he'll get better as he learns the defense a little bit more. But, I mean, he could be that guy that can come off right now for this four minutes, come off that edge. I didn't see – I didn't really pay attention to Ziggy that much. I just kind of focused on Deion Jordan because I've heard a lot about him. First of all, I heard he didn't have a very good camp. and He was on the practice squad. Now he has an opportunity to show what he has. But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how he kind of advances from week three to week four, game to game, and just see kind of how he improves – because I saw, I mean, he had a great arm over move uh, against the Giants last week. And I was like, wow. And then he, you know, he had a nice little rip. I just think, you know, he's a guy that I just kind of, I want to see if he gets better. Um, if he stays focused, I think he can be that real rusher, that real, that real power outside rusher that the 49ers need right now. And we still don't know what, you know, what's going on with D Ford. I mean, if, if, if he's going to be up this week or if he's going to be a, you know, another injury that he's going to sit another week out. But I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how they use a Deion Jordan in the defense. A D Ford, I wouldn't count on him for a while, unfortunately, for the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan expecting to put him on injured reserve. And I know injured reserve is not necessarily as big of a commitment as before because it's only minimum of three weeks this time. But from what we've heard, the rumblings and, you know, just the general feeling about back injuries is that, that these things linger and they don't just go away overnight. So IR is going to mean that D Ford is shelved for at least three weeks. So the 49ers do indeed put him there as, as is expected because you can't make that retroactive. It's not like baseball. And uh, if I'm the 49ers, I'd be afraid that it's going to be even longer than that for D Ford. So, they're going to have to keep on patching things together 
up front without both of their you know premier pass rushers on the edges for pass rushing downs in Bosa and D Ford. We'll see if they can do that. And obviously, whenever you talk about the effort to do that, it, it always spins to the opposite side of the ball, especially on a team like this. Complimentary football for the 49ers is going to be everything. It was everything, or the lack of it was everything, and the Super Bowl lost the Chiefs. The minute that the offense you know, started failing there toward the end of the game, it could not shield the defense that was already overexposed you look at Kansas City and what they did to Baltimore on Monday night and I think you see what stands in front of the 49ers this is a team that still has I think realistic chance of winning the Super Bowl obviously they took a big punch to the gut with the Nick Bosa injury with the D Ford injury but at the end of the day Matt this is an offensive league and we saw the formula through three plus quarters in the Super Bowl last season you control the football, you control the tempo of the game with your offense. If you can make that a four-quarter effort, you can beat anybody if your offense is good enough. And the 49ers think that they have the horses to be able to do that this year. Two of those guys may be back this week in Debo Samuel and George Kittle. But even if they're not, we should be looking at the big picture here and we should be looking at how this 49ers offense can potentially be good enough to beat the big boys down the road. And I think that's why this week is going to be interesting because even with Nick Mullins in there, you can see the framework against the good Eagles front. Can the 49ers make their you know formula work against this Eagles front? Because if they can this week, if they show signs of progress this week, it's a good sign for the rest of the season when they're going to need the offense to take pressure off that defense as far as uh, the goal to beat the really elite teams like the Chiefs down the road. Yeah, and we saw that last year. I mean, there, there was a point last year where the, the 49ers defense was not elite. And it was in December, and, and the 49ers had some big games, none bigger than the, the game that they had in New Orleans against a very good offensive team. And that offense ran roughshod over the 49ers defense, and yet the 49ers won that game. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo had a fantastic game, so did George Kittle, so did Emmanuel Sanders, so did Debo Samuel. To your point, they are capable of doing it, but they do need everybody, I think, for that. And uh, that's the one saving grace from all of these injuries. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries. They've, they've had them on offense, and they've had them on defense. The offensive ones are not uh, full-season ones to this point. Even even Jordan Reed, he might be the worst one. That's a that's a six- to eight-week injury. So conceivably, he could be back in, in November for a stretch run uh, once, you know, and that's also when the, the division games really start in earnest as well. So that's possible. Um, and then also to your point, the offensive line is something, you know, Mike McGlinchey has talked about this from time to time, uh, and he's a good example of it. It can improve throughout the season. He's a guy that hasn't been very good early on in seasons, and then he hits his groove, and, and he's a lot better. He's one of the best in the league. And I, I wonder if Lagan Tomlinson is the same way. I wonder if the offensive line as a whole is that way. Uh, and maybe the, the Eagles is as well, that after a certain number of games, you get back into your rhythm. You find that cohesion along the line. And um, it seems like pass protection is, is the last element to come through because the 49ers run blocking has been pretty damn good. And it's not just run blocking at the line of scrimmage. These guys are blocking 20, 30 yards downfield. It's, it's kind of amazing to watch uh, the speed that they have. And, you know, especially... 
Ben Garland, uh, I wonder what's going to happen when Weston Richburg comes back because Ben Garland has been having some really nice games at center. You know, they're protecting him. They're not giving him a lot of one-on-one matchups, but he's a guy that can really get out ahead of a play. And when you have the 49ers running backs as fast as they are, that's a, uh, that's a real asset to have. So I think it's possible. You know, I think the 49ers running game is what separates them from a lot of the elite offenses in this league that may have to be their calling card for the rest of the season. I mean, it's almost like when these guys come back, it may feel like a little mini draft for the 49ers and, you know, the, just the firepower that uh, they get. Whenever these guys start coming back, you're talking about a Debo, you know, maybe a Richie James and whenever Raheem Mostert comes back. The 49ers are the cream of the crop. I mean, they are NFC champions and you still kind of have to knock the 49ers off. And I think when they get into the division, if these guys can get healthy, we're talking just explosive offense and you get some guys back on defense you know, get Richard Sherman back, get that secondary healthy again. 49ers still are a 10-win team with the roster, I think, right now. Get some of these guys back, then you're talking about, you know, competing for another championship. So, I mean, I'm excited just just thinking about when some of these guys get back. We saw last week the depth of this team, and the schedule's favorable. You got some teams that you can kind of get healthy on, but you still have to play efficient football. And I think that just shows the character of this team, if they can get motivated. These guys, these backup guys, these third-string guys, you go out there and play at a really high level. But if you look down, you know, the bigger picture, they're going to get some of these weapons back, especially on offense that's going to just, I think, take this team to the next level. So I think if you're a 49er fan, you got to be excited. And you got to be excited, excited the way Nick Mullins is, is playing. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, he looked fantastic last week. We'll see what happens now as you get more more tape on him. But, you know, you got a, you got a capable uh, backup quarterback that knows the offense and, and runs it really well, but gets more weapons and it's going to be fantastic. Well, I think ultimately this season it's going to come down to balance, especially in the NFC. And then, you know, moving on to the Super Bowl, it's going to come down to who can play both sides of the football effectively. Because the way that I look at it right now, the NFC, there's a lot of offense. And I think in general, the league is setting offensive records through three weeks and that might be because of the fact that there was a compromised offseason, the tackling hasn't been as good, that's something we predicted. And then two, you don't have noise in any of these stadiums. And I think that definitely helps uh, both teams and their offense to work in silence when they're at the line of scrimmage and defenses don't have that that noise to hide behind and to really fuel their energy. So you're seeing a big 12 like explosion on offense, especially in the NFC West where the offenses are already really talented and really good between Russell Wilson of the Seahawks, the resurgent Rams under Sean McVay and obviously Cliff Kingsbury and uh, Kyler Murray in Arizona. And, and it's to the point where the offenses have been so strong in the NFC West that this is an interesting factoid, even though it is only three weeks only one division in the NFL guys has all four teams with a positive point differential and that's the NFC West and all four teams are in in the positive by quite a bit it's not like they're just plus one or plus two they're plus 16 or more and the 49ers actually lead the NFL number one in point differential at this point so uh, you have the four strongest teams out of the gate coming out of Uh, the NFC West, plus the Chiefs, obviously. The Chiefs were not as dominant in their game against the Chargers, for example, 
as they were against the Ravens. So the, the numbers haven't caught up to that yet. But I think you're clearly looking at the NFC West being a bastion of power and the Chiefs, or maybe if the Ravens find a way to, to beat the Chiefs later on, didn't look like they can on Monday, but the Chiefs being the team that's going to come out of the AFC. And then if you're looking at the big picture, the 49ers are going to have to find a way to make it work and to beat all of that competition. And to do that, A, you either outscore them, and you know Dennis, and you're talking about the 49ers offense and all the weapons they can throw out there. I think that's part of the plan. But B, I think you got to zag a little bit when they zig. And by that, I mean you play defense when the other teams aren't, right? The the Seahawks aren't playing any defense. The Packers aren't playing much defense. Uh, the Saints have fallen off big time on both sides of the football. And I don't really buy the fact that the Cardinals are playing any defense. So it depends on what the Rams end up doing defensively. But the 49ers, they have a chance to be the most balanced team at the end of this. And I think that they're playing the long game right now. If they can get those weapons back offensively I and mean, they can stay a reasonable course defensively, even without some of those weapons, they can be more or less balanced and and I think that's what's going to be key as this schedule gets tougher. They definitely zagged last year when the rest of the league zigged. I mean, they were one of the teams, I guess it, I think it was three teams that ran the ball more than they passed it last year. They had, you know, one of the best uh, defenses in, in the NFL in a league that's gone wholly offensive. And that showed. I mean, they were the best team in the playoffs. It wasn't wasn't close. Um, you know, the best team in the NFC in the playoffs. You know, the question becomes, if they did match up against the Chiefs, how would they fare? And boy, I don't think that they would do as well as they did in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I don't see how you could argue anything other than that when their two best defenders in the Super Bowl were DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa, and both of those guys obviously aren't available this year. So I guess it's a, we'll cross that bridge if we get to it uh, question uh, about whether you know they could match up with a real potent offense and a really special quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the 49ers were taking it to Mahomes in that game in February, and all the, the Chiefs did was was say, okay, instead of doing a seven-step step, step drop, we're just going to take him back 14 steps uh, because this, this pass rush is so fierce, and he was still able to provide the big play. So he's a special guy. He showed that the other night, obviously. He showed that in February, too. So I don't know if, if the 49ers will ever be good enough to beat him. The 49ers and every other team may have to hope for old man Winter to beat Patrick Mahomes. I think that's one of the one things that can kind of get another team into the Super Bowl is if uh, Kansas City or some other AFC town experiences a snowstorm or some bad weather event in the playoffs, and that really slows uh, Mahomes down. But uh, he looked pretty unstoppable against the Ravens the other night. Yeah, and you know, watching the Chiefs, and you know, all credit to to Andy Reid and his staff. But you know, I, I remember one series where it was. Third and short, they didn't get it. Fourth and short, they didn't get it. And then they came out the next drive and went something like 90 yards down the field. Watching him play, I don't know how you game plan a quarterback like that. It just He just feels like he sees a defense before the defense knows what it's going to do. He's, he finds his receivers. He's got some great receivers. Uh, he's got a great running game going right now. So, you know, yeah, that is the long game. But I, I do like what you said, David, about the zig and the zag playing defense. I'm a little biased, but I think defense is always going to win you championships. And I think this team has an opportunity with some of the guys that they have. Even if they don't have, you know, these two pass rushers, D Ford uh, and Nick Bosa, I think that they can still generate a good four-man pass rush. And I think that's going to be the key 
moving forward. Now, you have to kind of figure out, you watch Russell Wilson play, you talk about Patrick Mahomes. Russell Wilson is playing, you know, out of this world. Yeah. I mean, some of the balls he throws, these long balls are just incredible. And we know it's always a tight game against the, against the Seahawks, and it's always a tight game uh, against the Cardinals. So you have to figure out your defense. Even though you can unleash a pass rush, you have to figure out how you're going to kind of deal with these mobile quarterbacks too. Uh, and Matt, you said something that's really interesting, that you could see Carson Wentz. I mean, he's a big dude. I don't know what, what, the, what the knee feels like now, but you might see some more of these, this read option like Daniel Jones did last week because that was the Giants' biggest plays were those read option plays. Yeah, the quarterback running, you know, is something that has been a leaky situation for the 49ers. And, you know, it, it is for almost every team. That's why these running quarterbacks have taken the league by storm because they're picking up yardage where the, the statues cannot pick up yardage. So Lamar Jackson obviously was exhibit A, even in the loss where he was terrible passing on Monday night, he's still picking up yardage with his legs. And that's a great luxury to have as a quarterback. If the passing game's not working, you pick it up with your legs. Mahomes is a guy that can run when he needs to. I think Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't get quite enough credit. He's obviously not in the speed caliber of those guys, but he picked up some big first downs last year with his legs. And the further he gets away from that ACL tear, uh, the more I think that's going to have to be part of his game because it's part of the modern game in the NFL. You have to be able to pick up some yardage and some critical first downs with your legs in the NFL. On that note, I think you also have to look at this from the other angle. Teams like the Seattle Seahawks, teams like the Arizona Cardinals, who have defenses ranked in the bottom third of the NFL, they're going to have to figure out ways to stop the 49ers offense and stop Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward this season. That's going to be a huge determinant in this race because look at how the Kansas City Chiefs won that Super Bowl. It wasn't just Patrick Mahomes. In fact, you can argue that because of the dominance that the 49ers showed with Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner, two guys they won't have this year, but because of that, the Chiefs needed another avenue to open up the path to victory. Mahomes, of course, did his part once he was given the opportunity, but he wouldn't have gotten that opportunity had the Chiefs not showcased balance of their own. The Chiefs had to go out there and they had to play some defense against the 49ers. They had to stonewall the 49ers at 20 points after the third quarter because if the 49ers had kept up their pace for the first three quarters, it wouldn't have mattered what Mahomes did in the fourth quarter. 49ers would have won anyway. So I think at the end of the day, the two last teams standing in that ring are going to be the teams that can showcase both offense and defense, who can showcase both of them, right? And that's you know, where the battle of attrition is going to come in. Who can stay strong on both sides at the end? The Chiefs have the cheat code in Patrick Mahomes to be able to get away with some stuff a little bit more than the other teams. But I still think, you know, I go back to what you know, Dennis is probably going to like, that defense is going to have to show up at some point for, for any quarterback. <laughs> yes, sir. For any quarterback. Yep. How about this week? Let's make some quick predictions. I think the 49ers win this one. I think Carson Wentz might be a little bit better than weeks one to three, but I don't think he'll figure it out 100% that quickly. I do expect the 49ers to make a little bit of progress on pass blocking against the good front, but I still expect there to be some growing pains, especially if Nick Mullins plays this week. So I do think it's going to be a 23-16 to uh, 16 win for the 49ers. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I can't decide whether what the Eagles are going to do, whether they'll, they'll try to really increase the pace in order to sort of jolt uh, Wentz back into a rhythm or whether they'll try to slow it down. 
in order to kind of uh, minimize their their losses and, and keep the game tight. I'm going to go with, with the latter. The Eagles will uh, try to rely on their tight ends and their running game and, and try to slow it down. But the 49ers like that game too. I mean, they can run the ball as well as anybody. So I, I like the 49ers uh, in sort of a, a mid-score game. Uh, I'll go with 27-20 to 20 49ers. I think the Eagles are going to come out and, and try to Try to try to go fast break on the 49ers because of no crowd noise. I think they're gonna try to get to the line of scrimmage. Uh, I like what like what you said, man. I think you'll see a lot of this read option going, trying to get Carson Wentz, you know, some confidence in the game. I think they'll try to get their running game going. I don't see 30 points scored by the offense. I think you know Nick Mullins is going to be harassed, especially straight up the middle with Fletcher Cox. So I'm going to say 27-21 49ers. It's going to be fun, and I think that Carson Wentz, we've seen so much better from him. He can't be the number 32 guy in the league, right? I mean, you just have to you have to believe that he's going to make some plays at some point. He's going to hit the broad side of the barn at some point, and chances are it's it's going to be sooner rather than later given his, his previous track record. So 49ers need to expect that the Eagles will come out with a little bit more than they've shown in the first three weeks, and they have already shown some life, some real life along the front. So it will be a challenge for the 49ers. We will get to break down, I think, a really interesting point, that offensive line against the Eagles defensive line after the game on Sunday. And that's when we're going to talk to you guys next. So for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you Sunday night after the 49ers and the Eagles square off at Levi Stadium. <laughs> 